This is WVEWLP Brattleboro 107.7 FM, your community radio station, also streaming live online at WVEW.org. And this is Indigo Radio, deepening understanding, making connections, on the air every Sunday at 1 p.m., and we replay Mondays at 2. We are a group of educators seeking to learn through engaging with others in our community and throughout the world. You can also find us on Facebook at Indigo Radio, Twitter, and Instagram. Our shows are recorded and will be uploaded to our SoundCloud and iTunes after the show. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the host and guests, not the radio station. Today on Indigo, we dedicate this episode to all of the children around the world that have lost their lives due to gun violence. And we read poetry and play songs that honor those children and students. And what you're going to hear is Michaela Sims reading Langston Hughes' 1938 poem, Kids Who Die. And yesterday we had a couple technical issues at the studio, which is why it's coming in or cutting in a bit late. Thanks so much for joining us. For you, except in our hearts, maybe your bodies will be lost in the swamp or a prison grave or the potter's field or the river where you'll drown like Lickenbeck. But the day will come you are so sure yourselves that it is coming when the marching feet of the masses will raise for you a living monument of love and joy and laughter and black hands and white hands clasped as one and a song that reaches the sky, the song of the life triumphant, those kids through the kids who die. Thank you, Michaela, for reading that. Why don't we also introduce all our guests who's All in the like studio. Everyone who's in the studio, because we got a lot of people in the studio, and then we can talk about that poem for a little bit. I'm Anna, and Michaela, why don't you introduce yourself? I'm Michaela. I do equity and social justice work in Brattleboro and surrounding towns. Um, hi, I'm Zari Pacheco, and I am a student at Brattleboro Union High School. We're so glad you're here. And Nina, we're going to see if Nina's mic works. Oh. I'm Nina Kunimoto. Hi. Would anyone like to say anything about that poem? I, Langston I, Hughes' poem? Go ahead, Michaela. I'm just wondering, before we talk about the poem, I'm just wondering what it's like for Zari as a student to go into the school in light of all the things that are happening these days. Well, some of us, well, some of us, I mean, me and my friends, when we go to school, we always talk about situations that could happen um, while we're there and what we would do if there was a school shooting. And my mom also talks to me about what would happen. Like my sister's in the middle school and my mom always tells me that if there was a school shooting that I need to go get her. But, and I'm just thinking about how I would do that if there really was one. Cause I don't think I'd be able to actually move myself that quickly at like while I'm terrified for my life. Yeah. So it is something that's in the front of your mind and the back of your mind or just, it's just there. Um, it's something that's like always there. It's kind of interesting because sometimes um, I have to say that a lot of my, especially my first son, my first child, grew up in the school, like going to school with me a lot, 
like as small as like a baby in a pe- like people are like oh I remember when he was like in a backpack you know like or front pack whatever <laughs> and so I think that sometimes a few years ago after one of them or maybe after Parkland I I kind of thought twice about bringing him to school with me like I thought about like what does that mean for me to bring him to school um, so it's ever in our minds uh, and I think that I mean, Langston Hughes' poem reminds me that so many people are gone too soon for a lot of reasons, mm. some of which are um, that they're organizing in a way that people don't like. And, and so many of other people are, we often say, in the wrong place at the wrong time, but without thinking that there are a whole lot of mechanisms in place that make that death possible mm. so that in that way, is it really an accident when it's preventable? Oh, <laughs> I, I was just listening. I, I don't think what I'm going to say as I was listening, but I completely agree. I, I always like how, you know, y- when you analyze things, Michaela, that it, it's in a larger social context. And I think that's so important because I think a lot of times these shootings are, are analyzed on media as an individual problem or even you know and I think even a cultural problem and then it's like well what what creates that culture is never really talked about like so and that's part of you know also what we wanted to talk about today um but yeah and are we gonna try to play the song again are we done yeah I'm gonna try and play a song we're having a few tech issues on the board here but i'm gonna try something else so just hang with us here (laughs) thanks everyone try the song see what happens we're gonna try a song um, by low-key who's a british rapper and activist and this song is uh called hand on your gun and we're gonna hope this works if not we'll be back with more poetry right away cool weapons for all occasions and everyone got excited about the technology and I guess it was pretty incredible watching a missile fly down an air vent pretty unbelievable but couldn't we feasibly use that same technology to shoot food at hungry people this one is dedicated to the suit wearing arms dealers to the champagne sipping depleted uranium droppers Keep your hand on your gun Don't you trust anyone Keep your hand on your gun Don't you trust anyone First in my scope is BAE systems Specialize in killing people from a distance Power is a drug and they feed the addiction Immediate deletion of people's existence Who says what isn't, what isn't legitimate resistance To push these buttons, you don't need a brave heart State of the art darts leave more than your face scarred You might impress an A&R with your fake bars Cause you probably think Rolls Royce only make cars This is for the colonizers, turn bomb providers Take this beef all the way back to Oppenheimer They call it warfare but your wars aren't fair If they were to be suicide bombers Arms bears a scam for the funds, they will mangle your son If you try to speak out, they will stamp on your tongue To your land they will come, till you stand up as one is begun Keep your hand on your gun Don't you trust anyone Keep your hand on your gun 
Rest in my scope is Lockheed Martin They will tell you when the bombs need blasting Don't think, just listen to the songs, keep dancing Do they really want us to have our own brains? Who do you think is really running Guantanamo Bay? And it might be sensitive But I'll mention it Who do you think's got us filling out the censuses? Who do you think is handing out the sentences? This ain't the BBC, so there's no censorship Heard of many mercenaries getting with the clever pimp Not a gun seller, but none's better than Eric Prince Make money off many things, mainly his crime This one is dedicated to the Raytheon 9 On a scam for the funds, they will mangle your son If you try to speak out, they will stamp on your tongue To your land, they will come Till you stand up as one, it's begun Keep your hand on your gun Don't you trust anyone Keep your hand on your gun Don't you trust anyone All right, that was Low Key with Keep Your Hand on Your Gun. He's a British rapper and activist. And this is Anna for Indigo Radio. If you're just joining us, you'll not realize that we had tech issues. If you have been listening to us, we're doing great. We, we've got it together here. We've worked out the system. Uh, and we have a lot of people in the studio today, which is awesome. Uh, we have BUH, BUHS student, Zaria. We have Michaela Sims, we have Nina Kunimoto, we have Sergio who's here helping with, with some tech stuff too. Today we're spending the hour reading poetry, words, uh, to really honor and talk about the young people across the world, not just in the U.S., that have been victims of school shootings or guns manufactured and sold by the U.S. across the world. We listened uh, to Langston Hughes' poem, and Zara, you have a poem for us, is that right? We would love to hear, hear you read your poem. Uh, yeah. I have a poem called Generation Lockdown by Violetta Esquivel. Um, Who would have thought sanctuaries would no longer be safe? Even churches and schools, safe places are lost. We've become Generation Lockdown. I was in first grade when the Sandy School Sandy Hook school shooting happened. That day, 27 young lives were taken. That week, my school put up an iron gate. As our parents dropped us off, we'd say goodbye through thick crimson bars that looked like a jail cell door. That week, parents all over America were reminded that life is as short as a moth swing, and fear as a commonplace as dishes in the sink. February 14th, 2018, I am in sixth grade when Valentine's was not the same. Our hearts were broken that day. When 17 students in Parkland lost their lives to senseless, to senseless gun violence. That year we marched for our lives. That week our school got a full-time armed security guard. America never gets to heal when our wounds reopen again and again. There have been more mass shootings in 2019 than there have been days this year. For now, I'll just lock down my heart. I don't want to prepare for the next bullet. Thank you. Thank you, Zaria. Zaria, is, is there any thoughts you want to share on that, that poem at all? The poem is really sad, mm -hmm. especially the line, I don't want to prepare for the next bullet. That, like, that's really sad. Yeah, for sure. And also speaks to just the, uh, the impact that it has on students who they themselves 
even though if they haven't experienced it directly, just what our society has done and pumping fear into people like you got a gate, you got a guard. Uh, and it's one of those things in terms of our homes, in terms of our time out on the streets. I remember when people were saying how threatened people were by panhandlers in Brattleboro and thinking that, do they understand real threat? You know, uh, like the threat of hunger um, and thinking of hunger and poverty also as violence, that your immediate physical self is one thing, but also there's other realities that people face all the time that we think as, we can perceive as their fault, but are really societal violence against them, that there should be no reason for anyone to be hungry. And we say, oh, it's great. We have... We send home food with the kids. We have food banks, but not realizing that those are all band-aids on a larger problem of food and housing insecurity that people face. Mm -hmm. That is just as violent and mm -hmm. leads to many deaths. Mm -hmm. And we're often not making that connection between the, these individual acts of violence to this greater violent system that we're within. And so I think that is always important to uh, bring attention to that because the focus becomes uh, solely on on the individual um, and I think that that then obscures the way in which the system creates those conditions that may bring about violence. Nina, do you have any thoughts? Um, no, not at the moment. You're all saying great things. Like I definitely think it's important to to link that individual to a larger system. So, yeah. Michaela? No, I don't have any other thoughts. I want to bring back, bring it back to thinking about uh, guns. And there is a man that owns a pawn shop, the Golden Silver Thrift Pawn Shop in Barrie, who says that he will no longer sell AR-type rifles, and he's hoping that many other people will do the same. And so then... You know, this is a great thing to do, but then it does in give it up to or rely on kind of uh, individual peop decisions that people make. So he's decided that he'll phase them out by the summer. And as a parent and as someone who teaches Little League, that like he wouldn't want to be responsible uh, in any way linked to death in that way so that he wouldn't want to sell something to someone that they could use in that way. And he didn't want to be responsible. So he says it's not political. But of course, everything is political. <laughs> but um, so just thinking about that, like, OK, so now it's up to us and really remembering that so, and during the pandemic, uh, along with other times in history, usually when like the Democrats are going to be in office, sky, the gun sales and ammunition sales have sales have skyrocketed, especially during the pandemic, more than any other time. And so I think Smith and Wesson had like a month of making a hundred million dollars. That's the first time in history for them and during the pandemic. And so that this is not just about individuals, but it's also about profit uh, and shareholders and people making lots and lots and lots of money. Um, not to mention the government sales, like U.S. is the biggest exporter of weaponry and mm -hmm. sends a, just sending a lot of whole weapons to Ukraine right now, mm -hmm. sends a lot of weapons in terms of aid 
to other countries, including Israel, mm -hmm. um, that are all used on children too. Mm -hmm. Yep. Thanks for bringing that in. Yeah, Go absolutely. Ahead, yeah. And and I think that you know earlier, Anna, you said that the, that you know focusing on the individual just really obscures that, and it obscures you know the the amount of money that's being made for a few people. It made me think of like I know it's ridiculous, but. <laughs> Basic economics, guns or butter. I remember in economics class, that's what it was. Like, guns are, you're going to produce the guns or you're going to use butter. Um, but, you know, the money that, that goes, that is really extracted to these few people, like, you know, where's the money for, for health care and, and to, for poverty and hunger um, and housing and things like that? And I, I, I wouldn't want, I don't want that to be obscured in, in anyone's minds now or ever yeah we are gonna play uh a song that's dedicated to the yovaldi uh kids that lost their lives and i'm gonna have sergio introduce this song sergio thank you the next song is a small well it's a small fragment of a song uh, written by jarita martinez from jarita su esencia it's dedicated for the to the victims of gun violence at rob high in yovaldi texas para la escuela ya por la mañana no alcancé a despedirme porque no pensaba que la muerte me esperaba me tomó del brazo gracias por sus oraciones ya estoy descansando descansando recordando todo lo bueno de la Gozando. No olvidaré a mi familia, mi mayor tesoro Les prometo que estaré en cualquier momento No me lloren, ya no sufran Yo estaré en su corazón, de eso no hay duda Es el cielo, yo los veo que no me extrañe que aquí nos vemos oh, 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 oh. Okay, Sergio, can you just tell us um, a couple of what the lines and what is being said in that song? Well, part of the lyrics um, basically say that uh, she is apologizing to uh, her parents because she didn't get a chance to say goodbye because uh, unfortunately she wasn't expect to expe expecting to be holding Death's uh, hand that day. Uh, she's asking everyone uh, not to cry for her and not to uh, suffer because she's uh, in a better place right now. Okay, thanks for sharing that. One of the things I wanted to bring in, and I think this will lead to one of our next poems, uh, is bringing in the, the connection abroad, and Michaela was talking a little bit about this, and Nina, uh, about arms trade and the children across the world that die from uh, arms that the U.S. manufactures and sells, and 
There was a segment on Democracy Now! this week with Norman Solomon, and I'm just going to read something he said. He said, the connections are really hidden in plain sight. And it's really stunning that with all the discourse about gun control and the debates in the political and media arenas, there's virtually no discussion of the crying need for gun control at the Pentagon. And we know that implementing gun control restrictions in other countries has really reduced drastically the shootings, the mass killings with guns, and yet it's off the media map because of the internalized militarism of mass media and the political establishment in this country to talk about the huge amount of gun usage by the Pentagon. So I'm gonna pass it over to Nina. All right. You wanna comment on that or introduce the poem that you're gonna read? Sure, um, and again, I think these connections are, are rarely made in terms of like the shootings here, violence and militarism um, abroad and our war making or U.S. war making. So this poem is actually by a Turkish author. Um, there, I thought there was a poem about Sadoko, who was a, a young girl who didn't die immediately after um, the U.S. dropped the bomb on Hiroshima, but she died afterwards from the from the after effects um, of, of cancer. Uh, so this poem is written by Nazim Hikmet, um, and this is a poem called Hiroshima Child. I come and stand at every door, but none can hear my silent tread. I knock and yet remain unseen, for I am dead, for I am dead. I'm only seven, though I died in Hiroshima long ago. I'm seven now. As I was then, when children die, they do not grow. My hair was scorched by swirling flame. My eyes grew dim, my eyes grew blind. Death came and turned my bones to dust, and that was scattered by the wind. I need no fruit, I need no rice, I need no sweets, nor even bread. I ask for nothing for myself, for I am dead, for I am dead. All I need is that for peace. You fight today, you fight today, so that the children of this world can live and grow and laugh and play. A poem by Turkish poet Nazim Hikmet. And, um, oh, and he, he says that he has a direct connection to the bombing of Hiroshima. He doesn't say why, but... That's beautiful. Thank you, Nina, for reading that. Thoughts over there, Michaela? Uh, not any particular uh, thoughts. Uh, I think that it's really important to honor people's memories and that uh, we don't have to wait for somebody famous to die or from somebody else to do something, that we all can do something. And changing how we act and react is part of that one of the things that come to my mind mm -hmm. how we interact with each other and treat each other Saria can I ask you a question I'm thinking as as you're a high school student mm -hmm. are you in your last year or what year are you in I'm in my sophomore year okay and what if any are the conversations that you have around this kind of stuff with your friends and your peer group how do you think about it um 
well, so me and my friends, we, when we have opinions, like, we say them. <laughs> um, and so, uh, around school shootings, mm-hmm. um, we talk about them. And then we always talk about what we would actually do, like I was talking about earlier, of how I was, like, my mom tells me what to do to, like, go get my sister or whatever. Um, with my friends, we were talking about how if we could jump out of the window from the second floor and probably not i'm like five foot and i'd probably like break my ankle yeah Mm. (laughs) Um, yeah things that you shouldn't be having to discuss yeah (laughs) and all i could think about that if there was a school shooter and it was a student here since we always go over drills they would know exactly what our drill is so sometimes i feel like it's like useless Mm. because they know the routine and so Mm-hmm. There's like they're gonna know what we're doing, and then that's the end for whoever caught up in that. So let me ask you a different question because I know also that you were involved with the healthy school environment at BUHS, and I would love for you to talk um, to us and our listeners about what do you see as what could be a really healthy school environment. What changes would you want to see? Um, changes that we would like to see in our school would just be like more a warm and welcoming environment like I feel like the school is a little bit serious and problems aren't really dealt with properly and so people still like end up feeling terrible after whatever happens at the school so um, just make people feel more safe like not with like we don't like not with like security or anything. We discussed having an SRO um, at the school, and lots of students said that. Well, well, there wasn't really a yes or no if they wanted it, but they just did not want an armed officer on school property, mm-hmm. um, and that was that. But um, yeah. When you know. think about the word safe, what does it mean to you? Safe to me means that oh, um, I okay. That's really hard, actually. <laughs> um, safe is like I feel comfortable being where I am, mm-hmm. um, and that if if I don't feel comfortable, I can just tell someone and they can help fix that, and um, or I can remove myself from whatever situation I'm in and can like deal with it on my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Michaela, you work within the the public schools too. Can I ask you what you would describe as as safe and or healthy school environment? I like what Zaria said about being comfortable and also having people that you can go to to talk to, I think is important for adults and young people. Uh, Having a sense of connection and community, I think is is true for adults and young people. I feel like it's similar. I don't think it's that different, to be honest. Um, but I, I think that part of that is think is remembering that there is no place that you're a hundred percent safe from harm. And I think that that's part of it. It's like that somehow, um, that we can lock out the elements of, I don't know, whatever, um, I don't know what the, those elements would be, but somehow that we have control over our environment is a false um, reality, I think, and I think that's true at home, which is proven by people like Brianna Taylor, mm. um, 
is true, obviously, when you go to the grocery store, in your car. And so it's like there is this, this idea that somehow if I'm armed, I'm safer. Um, or if I'm in a specific place, I'm safer. But really, it's, it's the ability to hold two things at once. It's that finding places that I'm comfortable and I'm connected and knowing that there aren't any places like that. There aren't any, there's no bunker, <laughs> you know, like you can't live in a bunker. Um, and even then, who's in a bunker with you? You know, like, uh, so unless you're there by yourself, um, which I feel like there was a, this, um, this kind of anecdote that one of the late night talks hosts, hosts was dead when I was like about a bunker. And it's like, yeah, you have to be in there by yourself and like covered over with earth and then, Make a, and then he was like, and then make some kind of sign or whatever to let somebody know when you went, that you, your name and like when you went down there. So it's like we have to build the society we want, mm. not just for our children, but for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's nowhere to hide. Right. I'm going to go to a quick song break. Uh, we're going to play the I Don't Like Monday song. Yeah, that one, it was written in 1979 after a school shooting. We're going to uh, go to that, and we'll come back with some more uh, poetry with um, all of us here. Thanks, everyone, for listening.
she wants to play with the toys a while and school time early and soon we be learning and the lesson today is how to die and then the bullhorn crackles and the captain tackles with the problems in the house and wife and he can see no reasons cause there are no reasons what reason do you need to who die die oh, oh, oh. and the silicon chip inside a head gets switched to Indigo Radio on WVEWLP Brattleboro 107.7 FM, your community radio station. Um, and today our topic is on um, school shootings, um, children, and how that impacts children, but also connecting that to global um global violence, children dying all over the world and people dying as well. Um and we have in the studio um, a whole n- lot of people, Sergio, Anna, Michaela, Zaria, and myself, <laughs> um, which is really cool because we haven't had this many people for a while. But we're going to read a poem actually by um, Janaki. Um, and yeah, let me just read it and then we'll, we'll break it down. So three women pounding rice husks break rice kernel revealed little savitri sits on earth playing with stones work done woman paid with broken rice and husk distanced leaning away owner woman gives rice and good to child On whose side will Savitri be? Pierced with confusion, bitter tears of broken rice husk for a bit of sugar rice. Children in the dust begging young ones killed by the millions on the land or killed face to face, eyes locked as bullets tear the body. Old killing young, each other, killing for wealth, young, killing young, hopeless, bitter, wanting to die or kill, wanting to be somewhere else, wanting to be someone else. Our children, our people, I won't stand for it. Thank you, Nina, for, yeah. for reading that. And Janaki, who wrote that, it's a beautiful poem, very powerful. 
the the stanza that really stood out to me was this old killing young each other mm. killing for wealth and then young killing young i mean that's what you've seen with so many of these shootings in the u.s is, is these young men uh i mean 18 yeah uh, actually i read somewhere mother jones keeps a lot of um, data on this and has uh, they, they, they keep all statistics if you want to look up how they've done this and um, the majority are done by men well, one white men but under the age of 25 yeah. recent ones mm -hmm. and also when you think you know we're connecting this to US militarism is all the young men and women in the military that mm -hmm. are trained mm -hmm. to do this. And so I think that young killing young is so, uh, it's brutal, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so are we going to go yeah. into the next one? So the next um, poetry is by Rafif Ziada. Um and she explains how she came to get uh, writing this piece, um, but it's a piece called We Teach Life, Sir. I'll start with this poem. I wrote this poem when the bombs were dropping on Gaza, and I was the media spokesperson for the coalition uh, doing a lot of the organizing. And we had stayed up to about six o'clock in the morning, perfecting every soundbite. And by the end, if you're Palestinian, you know most Palestinians get tired and start pronouncing our P's as B's. So we become Palestinians by the end of the day. So I was practicing my P's all night. And the next morning, um, one of the journalists asked me, don't you think it would all be fine if you just stop teaching your children to hate? Um, I did not insult the person, I was very polite, uh, but I wrote this poem uh, as a response to these types of questions we Palestinians always get. Today, my body was a TV'd massacre. Today, my body was a TV'd massacre that had to fit into sound bites and word limits. Today, my body was a TV'd massacre that had to fit into sound bites and word limits filled enough with statistics to counter measured response. And I perfected my English and I learned my UN resolutions. But still, he asked me, Ms. Ziada, don't you think everything would be resolved if you would just stop teaching so much hatred to your children? Pause. I look inside of me for strength to be patient, but patience is not at the tip of my tongue as the bombs drop over Gaza. Patience has just escaped me. Pause. Smile. We teach life, sir. Rafif, remember to smile. Pause. We teach life, sir. We, Palestinians, teach life after they have occupied the last sky. We teach life after they have built their settlements and apartheid walls. After the last skies, we teach life, sir. But today, my body was a TV'd massacre made to fit into sound bites and word limits. And just give us a story, a human story. You see, this is not political. We just want to tell people about you and your people. So give us a human story. Don't mention that word apartheid and occupation. This is not political. You have to help me as a journalist to help you tell your story, which is not a political story. Today, my body was a TV'd massacre. How about you give us a story of a woman 
in Gaza who needs medication. How about you? Do you have enough bone broken limbs to cover the sun? Hand me over your dead and give me the list of their names in 1,200 word limits. Today, my body was a TV'd massacre made to fit into sound bites and word limits and move those that are desensitized to terrorist blood. But they felt sorry. They felt sorry for the cattle over Gaza. So I give them UN resolutions and statistics and we condemn and we deplore and we reject and these are not two equal sides, occupier and occupied, and a hundred dead, two hundred dead, and a thousand dead. And between that war crime and massacre, I vent out words and smile, not exotic, smile, not terrorist. And I recount, I recount a hundred dead, two hundred dead a thousand dead is anyone out there will anyone listen i wish i could wail over their bodies i wish i could just run barefoot in every refugee camp and hold every child cover their ears so they wouldn't have to hear the sound of bombing for the rest of their life the way i do today my body was a tv'd massacre and let me just tell you there is nothing your un resolutions have ever done about this and no soundbite no soundbite i come up with no matter how good my English gets. No soundbite, no soundbite, no soundbite, no soundbite will bring them back to life. No soundbite will fix this. We teach life, sir. We teach life, sir. We Palestinians wake up every morning to teach the rest of the world life, sir. Welcome back. This is WVEWLP. Uh, your community radio station, and this is Indigo Radio. Um, we are dedicating our sh show today to all the young people uh, and all people lost, who've lost their lives due to gun violence. And and I just I'm trying to remember. I can't. I couldn't find the name of. Um, there was a Palestinian journalist killed recently. A young woman who was 30 years old. I couldn't find her name, but before. For that, another Palestinian journalist, Shireen Abu Akla, was recently also killed, um, tragically, while wearing her vest. And I, both of them, well, one was on their way to work and the other one was actually working alongside the army while they were doing um, some type of raid and it was killed wearing a helmet and press jacket. So just keep in mind that so many people are killed by gun violence and in this country too every day that so many things are not newsworthy uh, and so we don't hear about it but to think that there have been at least 20 shootings there's about one every day but there's been at least 20 since the last one we heard about so just keeping that in mind and in our hearts as we continue um and Zarya is here and I have to say Zarya play was playing this game that I've never seen before that is kind of interesting and a little bit alarming. <laughs> Zari, could you tell us about it? Oh, okay. So there's this game. It's called like Virago, and it's about this little girl. Um, her name is Willow. She's mute, and um, she. It, the game is basically just experiencing life as like a little girl in the world, while like there's men just like commenting about what you look like what you're doing them telling her to take compliments and she obviously can't react to this because she's mute 
And so she's just like running away from them, trying to get away from them when they're like following her or men are taking photos of her. And then there's women along the way that like help her and tell the men to like back off or like walk her to her house. Um, yeah. That's really intense. Where did you, um, how did you find out about it? And why, what makes you play it? Um, so, um, I'm not gonna lie, I found it on TikTok. Don't think I'm cringe, guys. Please promise you don't think I'm cringe. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) so I first saw the concept of the game, um, last year. This person's been working on this game for a very long time, and they just, like, released, um, the game on the Google Play and, like, App Store. And I'm playing it because, um, well, one, I... Well, I'd like to play the game I saw the progress on. And two, I think it's very, I don't know. When I play the game, I think it's reassuring when I get her to safety. While these men are, like, chasing after her and she's, like, trying to escape. Um, but The goal of the game is to get her to safety. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Can you only play as the young woman? Yeah. Okay, got it. Oh, okay. Thanks. I mean, I, I was just kind of like, what? I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, so do you feel sometimes in, in the streets of Brattleboro like you're that girl? Um, yes. When I was out at Gallery Walk, I was with my sister, my cousin, and my cousin's friends. And so as we were walking by, I was walking ahead of everyone else because everyone else is older than me. My cousin's 30 and my sister's 18. Um, and I don't know how old her friends are, my cousin friends. But we were walking, so I was walking ahead of them. And then there was this guy who was just sitting at the corner near Mocha Joe's. And his camera out, and he was pointing it at me and following me with the camera. And my sister and my cousin were like, Zoria, come here. And they were like, put your hood on. And I was like, I didn't have a hood. But I didn't have my mask on. And that was, like, the only cover I had. But, but like, yeah, that was it. I, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, the, the other thing, too, and it's such a connection to the show, is that so many of these gun shootings, there's been a history of uh, misogynistic behavior and attitudes toward women, and there's a, quite a history or a connection between domestic violence and then mass shootings. And so these these links, too, I think, around the hatred of, of women and um feminized people and the female body, all of that. And I think um, the other thing I'm thinking as you're speaking about this game is how how play, uh, whether it's like young children's play or young adults play like with videos or whatever is re- reflecting the world that we're in. And I mean, I know Michaela, you have many stories with your kids or just what young kids say and how do we interact with that because media can be a force, uh, and a lot of young people are on TikTok and Instagram, Snapchat, and all that kind of stuff. And it just makes me wonder, like, how to to be able to push different narratives with that stuff that's so uh, prominent. I think that that young people use. And I think that you two have a last poem, right? Yes. Uh. So Many by Zachary Suri. I have grown up on gun violence like every other child of post-common sense America. I have written so many poems after tragedies like every other child of post-common sense America. And I have sat in tears at so many vigils, staring 
with the knowing eyes at every other child of a post-common sense of America. I've watched so many cities become synonymous with tragedy. And I have learned my geography from mass shootings alongside every other child of post-common sense America. And I've placed too many metaphorical rocks on too many metaphorical graves, bowing my head in respect, listening to radio broadcasts with every other child of post-common sense America. And we are the soothsayers among the masses. We are the Cassandras of the HEB parking lot. We are doomed to be ignored. We are ignored. We are the ignored generation being gunned down in school hallways, silently losing our lunch every time we see headlines. And we are all, we all, we all might as well live in Toledo because we are all mistaken for tragedy, all thought to be missing in action, but we are still here staring at the television screens with wide eyes as hollow speech follows hollow prayer. I've written so many poems about death, about dying, I've written so many poems about bullet holes, about the blood-soaked clothes and sobbing mothers. I've written so many poems about how I just can't stand it anymore. I've written so many poems that I just can't rem- remember how to write one. Zachary Zuri is 14. Wow, young. The, the line that totally stood out for me just then was about how he learned his geography from school shootings and made me think, too, around do we again how we often miss that link to u.s militarism but do we know where somalia is do we know where syria is do we know where yemen is like can we put those on a map too and that those children are also our our children and we should think of it like that yeah and as they walk over rubble to go to school for sure and the the reality of that of carrying on life in Ukraine and everywhere else in a war mm-hmm. that life doesn't suddenly stop. Like people have to eat and do things. Yeah. I mean, it, it made me remember too. Like, I don't remember like La- in Las Vegas when someone opened fire, like at a concert. And, yeah. I mean, it's just nonstop, yeah. you know? And so we can live in fear or we could do something, but we don't do a whole lot. I mean, people can write to their senators. Um, people can also go out on the streets, but there's, and there are lots of protests happening um, because of these shootings. Saria, do you have any last thoughts as we close out this show? Um, I don't have any more thoughts other than school shootings are really sad to me and I do worry about them, but yeah, that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Thank you for being here and and sharing poetry and your thoughts also. You're welcome. (laughs) And Nina or Michaela, any last thoughts before we close out? Yeah, I I just sort of, and what Michaela said made me think, you know, what, what the adults in the room, right? What in the world, like, cause he's, yeah. What, what are we to do? What is to be done? Yep. Great question. All right. Well, thank you all for tuning in today. Michaela, anything else? No, thank you. It's so much fun to be back in the studio. <laughs> yes. It's so great to have so many of us here and a guest. Yeah. Um, we're going to go out today with Alicia Keys, the song uh, We Are Here. 
And yeah, thank you to all of everyone out there, all the poems, and we're hoping for a better world for all of our children and all of us. And we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is Indigo Radio every Sunday at 1 p.m.
That's why we are here. Why we are here.